With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The Jets just signed Robert Sala to be the next head coach of the organization. Huge breaking news. The podcast was recorded earlier tonight, so we're going to let that play following this snippet. We wanted to hop on and talk to you for a few minutes about this. I'm feeling great. I love the hire. And Will actually had a scoop on this six hours before Josina Anderson broke the news. So, Will, how are you feeling about this? I know you're happy. Uh, I feel pretty good, to be honest with you. Um, had some sources within the organization let me know earlier today that it'd be done within, the, within a 24-hour window. Um, I happened to kind of find out I was going to be Robert Sala earlier tonight. And, um, you know, very excited about that, but also even more excited for the Jets organization as a whole. Robert Sala is somebody that, as you'll hear us talk about later in the pod, uh, I've been kind of advocating for for a long time and never thought this was realistically going to be able to happen. And to get him and also get Michael Floor to come in, run Kyle Shanahan's offense and defense, that was a Super Bowl um, in the Super Bowl two years ago. Incredibly exciting. It's probably the happiest the fan base has been since drafting Sam and probably the most united the fan base has been since 2010 AFC title game. So, I'm pumped. I know you're pumped. I think the fan base as a whole should be incredibly excited with what's going on. Yeah, big thing about this is that he's bringing LaFleur in. And we got that news almost immediately after we got the solid news. So that's huge. Um, I think Jets fans, and, and you'll hear us say later on in the pod, but we, we said that we think that they'll be super excited with this hire. And clearly they are. Um, it's, it's been an overwhelmingly positive result. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn on the Jets podcast, where myself, Matt Gianessis, and my co-host, Will Parkinson, talk everything New York Jets football. If you're listening for the first time in a few weeks, your old host, Joe Caparoso, has passed the torch down to some of the newer members of Turn on the Jets. Don't you worry, we'll still deliver the best Jets football content around. You can now find Joe on Badlands feed, along with Connor Rogers. You can subscribe to Badlands on Patreon. Also, make sure to tune into other Taj-affiliated shows, including draft season, which will be released every Wednesday leading up to the draft. As promised, we have plenty of great guests lined up for you. Today, we will be joined by Charles McDonald. Charles covers the Jets for the Daily News. Uh, he did it earlier this season. He was around the team and their coaches and got plenty of in-depth insight on the organization. So that's going to be a fun one that we have coming up. Um, but we'll get to that interview in a moment. First, we're, we have a few other things we want to talk about. So, Will, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Coming off a uh, exciting national championship game, at least from an offensive perspective, watching Alabama run up and down the field on Ohio State. We got to see some, uh, you know, some potential Jets targets uh, like Justin Fields, Najee Harris, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle, so um, as well as some offensive linemen. So um, pretty exciting there. Um, kind of some mixed reviews, you know, on uh, Justin Fields' performance, but obviously Devontae Smith kind of stole the show for everybody. So 
um, definitely some exciting stuff there. And then, uh, you know, obviously some exciting coaching search going on as well. Yeah, I, I tuned into the game in the second half, but I, I got a chance to look at the stats. I think overall fields went 17 for 33, 191 and a touchdown and no picks. Um, so what I've heard, kind of the consensus on social media, wasn't the best performance, but no huge mistake there either. Uh, so uninspiring, but also, you know, Trevor Lawrence also put up a dud in the national championship game. So it's going to happen. Um, what, are you, what were your thoughts on Fields? Um, you know, it wasn't Fields' best night. I thought he had a couple really good throws, a couple really good drives. Um, to start the game, he looked good and then kind of looked good towards the end. Um, a little frustrating uh, second quarter. Once Ohio State started to kind of fall behind, Fields felt like he was pressing a lot. Made a couple really questionable decision throws. Um, one in the fate of the end zone. Um, just totally airmailed it and then came back with a really risky ball um, in the red zone. So a little concern there, uh, but also made a beautiful throw, um, you know, down the middle. And also his touchdown was, uh, you know, dropped it into a bucket. So Nick's reviews. Um, I don't think I want to overreact one way or the other. Um, kind of feel the same about fields. I felt the whole time. Um, I don't think he's a can't miss prospect, but I also, I'm not going to be, um, you know, furious if he ends up being a New York Jets. So I was more impressed, honestly, with some of the talent um, at the wide receiver position and uh, as well as Najee Harris, who feels like he's impossible to tackle. Devontae Smith looked really good. Obviously, um, Jalen Waddle on half a leg after having not played football in three months. Looked like the fastest guy in the field, which was pretty incredible. <laughs> guy hasn't played football, has a fractured ankle and comes back. And, you know, Sean Wade called out in these Alabama receivers and for him to him to get cooked by Jalen Waddle on one leg in and out of a comeback route was concerning for Sean Wade, but incredibly exciting if you're a Jalen Waddle guy. So how did you feel, uh, you know, watching some of these, you know, prospects? Yeah, you and I talked about this off air a little bit, but um, and a few others have said it, but it's it's so funny how fans kind of just they'll look at one game and they'll use that game just to change their um, decision or it'll persuade them to lean one way or the other. I think Jets fans are doing that a lot. And rightfully so, it's understandable, you know, with uh, the given situation at quarterback. But it's funny to see Zach Wilson have a good game, and then the whole fan base has their Twitter profile pictures changed to Zach Wilson. Then Fields has a good game, they do the same. So uh, probably a little bit of an overreaction, but uh, it, the game had, had its ups and downs. I, um, I was pretty interested in Najee Harris, I'm not going to lie, because I've been on record saying for a while I want him to be the Jets, uh, one of the Jets' second-round picks. I say one of the Jets' second-round picks I'm expecting in two for Sam. Uh, but uh, I would love to have Harris there in the second round. And I, I completely understand the argument that uh, taking a running back uh, in the second round when you have so many holes on your roster is not the right move. Uh, I, I get that, but uh, I'm a Harris guy. He looks so tough to tackle. There was a play in that game where somebody just bounced off of him and he just kept on going. Um, so I'm a big fan of that. What do you think of Harris? Um, I like Harris's game a lot. Um, I'm, he's got a lot of tread on his tires in the last two years, um, which is, Concerning, obviously, that was kind of the reason. Part of the reason Josh Jacobs kind of flew up people's draft boards was he had like 240 carries in his to total college career, and then um, you know obviously balled out against Oklahoma, and then and he just like he looked great in the playoff. But and then you know the Raiders love guys that play in the Final Four, um, you know Final Four team, you know college football playoffs. So I'm impressed by Najee Harris. I think he's somebody that is going to be a really good pro. He caught the ball well. Um, he was able to – he ran well. I mean, he had 3.6 yards per carry, but he still ended up finishing the game with 80 yards and then, you know, 80 yards rushing and another 80 yards, you know, in the air. So he's an impressive guy. At 34, I'd be interested in him. 
Um, I think at 23, if we're taking a running back, I'm expecting that means we blow people out of the water in free agency because I get nervous just with, you know, kind of what we've been through with running backs. I mean, being able to find guys, even like a Ty Johnson, like we talked about last pod, it's a six-round pick. He got off of waivers, and he rushed for 100 yards. So I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Um, I'd like to see what he runs in the combine, to be honest with you, just from a, you know, just from a speed perspective and see if it matches up to his on-film kind of speed. But his ability to hurdle, his ability to break tackles, play you're talking about, he runs a – Runs a you know runs a rat out of the backfield and gets absolutely boomed and just the guy flew off of him and like took four guys to bring him down. That's impressive to me. So um, definitely a lot of intriguing prospects in that game. No doubt about that. Yeah, that that's a fair assessment for Harris. And I also think another fair argument would to would be uh, Joe Douglas isn't taking a running back that early, just given his value on premium positions, and that's just not running back. So I understand that argument definitely, but I'm still sticking uh, to my guts here. I want I want Harris that early. Um, so that was a national t- championship game. It was a blowout. Devonta Smith, just three touchdowns. Would he have 100 and 200 yards? Something just ridiculous. Yeah, 215 in the first half. Pretty, pretty insane. First half, yeah. yeah. And the, the, the camera scrolled over him uh, pregame. He looked like a sixth grader just standing there on the sidelines. It's so funny. This guy's the Heisman just torching defenses. But the uh, small frame, but the guy is insane. So I'm interested to see when he goes in the draft. So kind of – moving away from the draft and getting into the head coaching search. A lot has gone on over the last few days. The Jets had Robert Sala in for the second time in person. Uh, This meeting lasted overnight and Sala came back in the morning or he might've stayed at the facility. I don't know how that went, but he was back there in the morning and uh, he stayed for, I think it was seven hours during the day. So it seems as though conversations had to have been pretty serious if he was there for that long. And we had some other things go on with Arthur Smith. So, Will, what's your take on what's going on with the head coaching position right now? Well, uh, for me, um, kind of from what I'm being told, um, this thing's going to wrap up pretty shortly here. Um, Urban Meyer, as we're recording, was just the first domino to fall in the head coaching search going to, uh, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I think with that domino falling and also what I've heard, um, the Jets should be wrapped up here uh, in the next 24 to 48 hours. I I'm hoping and from what I'm hurt, I'm hearing, I think it's going to be Robert Sala, which would really excite me and I think would excite the whole fan base. Um, I feel really good about his ability to lead, his ability to build both our defense, but also um, have his hands at least in the offensive coaching staff and be able to bring in either Mike McDaniel, Mike LaFour over initially, um, you know, potentially Mike Kafka. If those guys don't, aren't allowed to leave by Kyle Shanahan, but um, I'm not concerned about the offensive staff perspective. I think a lot of people brought up valid points, both in the turn on Jets feed. I've seen people from, you know, pro football talk, you know, Mike Florio amongst others, you know, kind of highlight the concern of like how great it's gone for the saints because they've had the same guy calling plays for the past decade. Plus the same thing with the chiefs. It's always the same system. It might be someone different calling them, but, um, and then you look at a place like Minnesota, great defensive head coach, and they've had success, but Kirk Cousins have had, has had three offensive coordinators in three years and they keep getting poached. So, I'm ex- um, I'm not quite as high on him as I would be um, as it would be Dable to be honest with. You. It's not my ideal hire, but I would also be able to talk myself into it. He's done some great stuff with Tannehill, um, with Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, Corey Davis, guys like that have you know succeeded really, you know, for the last couple of years underneath him. So kind of you know kind of circling back I guess I'd rank Sala one I think it's going to be Robert Sala I think we're going to hear the next day or two um you know but if it's Arthur Smith 
I'm okay with that. I think the Jets are in a great spot right now where both candidates are, you know, premier. They're their most sought after candidates on the market. And that's something that I don't think we could always say about the Jets. How about yourself? Yeah, I think Robert Sala is the type of candidate that's easy for Jets fans to get behind just after what, what we had in terms of personality, not even, you know, what we saw on the field with Adam Gase. So we had somebody that wasn't really the best with media. And then we have somebody that's very energetic, kind of owns the room, uh, has this alpha kind of vibe to him. So I think it's a big contrast between what the Jets had. And it's, it's a, a move that the Jets fans can get behind, which is something that you don't see very often. Um, and I like Arthur Smith. I think he, he received some kind of unrightful hate on social media recently. Um, and what he did in Tennessee should not be discredited. He did an unbelievable job with Tannehill. And then you could argue Henry was great before him, which I'm sure he's an amazing talent. But to balance the, uh, the, um, the passing game and the rushing game like he did was, was definitely something uh, impressive. So I'm a fan of Smith right now. I, I would love the, the style hire just because I really think the reaction from the fans, everybody could get behind something like that. And uh, I like that I saw the relationship between him and Quinn and Williams on social media where uh, Quinton was tweeting at him that he was pumped. Something, something along those lines. I don't remember specifically what happened. What was it? Do you, do you yeah, it was just basically – there was a clip from when the Jets played, um, you know, the Niners this year. And he was just like, Quinton's an unbelievable football player, ultra-talented. And Quinton threw it on his Instagram story with the fire in the eyes yeah, and, yeah. Then, and then tweeted it like, while he was in the building the next day. So it's pretty clear that there's players that want him um, and that want him as well. And to me um, – you know, I think Quinnen is an all-pro player underneath Salah. You look at guys like DeForest Buckner and Nick Bosa. Like, DeForest Buckner just got traded for a top 15 pick this year as a D-tackle, like, in a contract year. Um, and he was really good before then. But under Robert Salah became an elite. You know, they were a Super Bowl defense. And this year, finishing six overall in defense with – they had 84 guys play snaps. That's – that's insanity. And like the fact that he was able to get the best out of all these guys. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's something that I think is really admirable that he's able to adapt his scheme based on who they're playing, but also be able to stick to his principles and like, and drill those home, be disciplined. They play hard for him. You know, I'm sure we can, we'll share this after the podcast, the two minute clip of him against in the Rams game, getting absolutely fired up on the sidelines. He's head button players. He's flexed and freaking out. You know, that's that's something that the New York crowd and New York, New Jersey, you know, that's something that we can – everyone, I think, can kind of relate to. And the fact that him and Douglas would be, quite frankly, the scariest, you know, um, G, coach GM tandem, it's – I'm excited, man. I, I hope that's him. You know, um, you know, we'll update you throughout the pod if we hear something differently as well, um, you know, kind of on the hire. Um, yeah, so he uh, – you could say – what was it like 50% of their team was out against the Jets week one after the maybe second drive it was ridiculous. Everybody was going down. They were complaining. It's the MetLife turf, but what he did with that defense, just given so many injuries, Nick Bosa, you know, standing headlining all of those injuries uh, was definitely admirable. I agree with what you said there and not to harp on solid too long, but uh, something very important about him that of course is being talked about uh, with other head coach candidates now, like Staley, the Rams defensive coordinator is the, uh, coordinators, coordinators that he'd be able to bring in with him. So the big talk is Mike McDaniel's the run, Mike McDaniel, the run game uh, coordinator in San Francisco, and Mike Lafour, the passing game coordinator. And uh, I've been kind of flip flopping which guy I'd rather have the Jets take. Um, 
there, there's an argument to be made for both guys. But earlier today I was reading, I was on Twitter and I read a tweet from the ex Bengals receiver, Andrew Hawkins. And uh, I heard him say, um, uh, multiple teams have inquired about 49ers run game coordinator, Mike McDaniels for offense coordinator. I played one season under Mike, and if they want an offensive guru, I bet every dollar in my bank account that no other candidate understands offensive football the way he does. Every single dollar. And I saw Johnny Manziel commented on it, and he, he agreed with him. So uh, there's something to, to think there that players that have, have worked with him respect him that highly. So uh, that's something to keep in mind when we're talking about Robert Sala is the, the pedigree of, of coordinator that he could bring in with him. Uh, you have any uh, opinions on McDaniel on the floor? Uh, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I think either one's a home run for the Jets. Right. I think people speak incredibly highly of McDaniel. I think he's going to be the hot name on the market in two years. Um, I also think LaFleur, I mean, his brother's been incredibly successful in Green Bay. Yes, he's Aaron Rodgers, but Rodgers was had a down year last year and they still, you know, made the conference, you know, conference championship game. You know, LaFleur is a passing game coordinator, so biasly, that to me always sounds more, you know, it sounds something that would get you a little more excited, but the way people talk about McDaniel um, in the league, every, you know, reputable source I can think of has, has spoken really highly of him. So I'm on board with either one of them. Um, Kafka also interests me if that's something that happens as well. Um, you know, he's coming from a, a chief system. It's not like the Jets are linked. Sal is linked to incredibly, incredibly talented um, coordinators, people that might be on his staff. So if I'm the Jets, I mean, I'm pulling the trigger as soon as I can. Um, he's, I've, I've been banging the Robert Sala drum for the last 18 months. The only issue is I never thought the Jets had a chance. And the fact that he was in their building for two days, they've interviewed him twice, and they let him go scared me a little bit. But I do think – I yeah, we all were, like, freaking out. But I do think, based on what I've heard from everyone, is him and Smith wanted to see the process out. They know they're the two top candidates. I don't, I don't doubt that they want to make sure they're getting the right – the right amount of money, they'll be able to bring the right staff and it's the right opportunity. I'm not going to sit there and blame the guy for taking a second interview when he could coach Justin Herbert for the next 15 years or taking a, an interview with the Eagles who won a Super Bowl three years ago, the Jags, you know, you go on Shad Khan's yacht, you never know, you, know, you never know what could happen. Um, so yeah, and I, I look, I like both candidates. I like the coordinators they're linked to. Um, I just, I'd prefer Salah and I think it's going to be Salah and it's going to be pretty shortly here. So. Yeah, as of 7.15 p.m. on January 14th, I think me and you both are pretty confident we're going to see Dable end up in uh, Los Angeles with the Chargers, which, in our opinion, that we've talked about this earlier, leaves us with probably about two serious candidates left with Arthur Smith and um, and Robert Sala. So um, kind of to end up this podcast, do you have any final words on what you think is going to happen in the next couple of days, what you're looking forward to? Um. I'm just excited that there's a potential we're going to get a top candidate on the market if everything breaks the right way, um, which I think it's going to. Um, I'm excited for the fact that college football season's over. We're fully into the off season from a Jets perspective. We got great games this weekend. Um, you know, Baltimore Buffalo is going to be an incredible game in the snow on a Saturday night. Lamar, Josh Allen. Um, you can't help but think year one was Baker and then year two is Lamar. Josh Allen took a huge leap this year. I don't know if it's with the Jets or I don't know who it's going to be with, um, but you can only hope that, you know, it'll be Sam's time year four. I know that's being optimistic, but quite frankly, it's not the first time I've heard that. So um, I'm excited. Let's just, you know, hope that we're, rec- we're recording next week and we can talk about um, 
you know, a new head coach and, and, you know, have some other good interviews coming up, um, you know, potentially with whoever they hire, you know, someone who knows them closely. Yeah. You often hear the off season is the Jets regular season. So we're just getting started now. Uh, a lot of exciting things going on. Um, had a lot of fun recording this podcast today. Stay tuned because after uh, we're done speaking here, we're going to have our Charles McDonald interview. Uh, Charles, I'll give a, a brief um, preview on him once he's in here, but it's a, um, it's a good interview. So stay tuned. It's a fun time and we will see you next week. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. We are now joined by Charles McDonald of USA Today's For the Win. Unlike plenty of writers that cover football, Charles is actually very in tune with the X's and O's of the sport, so I'm definitely a follower of his work. Uh, Charles covered the Jets for the Daily News for some time during the season, and he got a first-hand look at the 2-14 and 14 football team. So, Charles, the first question that we have for you, uh, we know it's one that everyone wanted to, fe- wanted to hear. How is the PlayStation 5? Oh, it's great. I mean, there was a moment there where I thought that FedEx might have jacked it. Uh, and because the way it worked was I wasn't even planning on getting one until after the season because I was like, I know if I get this during the season, I'm just going to waste so much time. And I would like to focus on my work because I had a lot on my plate. And then I switched jobs and I had like two weeks off. So I was like, shoot, like, let me see if I can get my hands on a PlayStation. And it was like maybe the hardest thing I had to buy. Like I used to joke with my friends, I was like, yo, like this is the hardest I've ever worked to spend $500 in my entire life. Cause like, it just seemed like they didn't want it. Like every turn, like they got a Best Buy drop and all the other crap. So it, it, it was so hard to get one. So I got one through a friend that resells stuff. He was like, yo, like if you want, like I'll just send you one at retail price. So I bought it from him and it got lost in the mail at FedEx for like two weeks. And in that me in the time like of, of me of them like just straight up disappear like where my playstation was i actually bought one off best buy and i bought one off walmart and then right before i went to go pick up the best buy one up i got a text from fedex it was like hey your thing is at the location you requested to be so i was a little, i was a little you know like is it actually there and i went there and the box was like pretty beat up but the actual playstation box inside the box was untouched so i got it uh it's great. I sent the other two off to some friends and I got another one for a family friend. So in like the meantime of me trying to get my hands on one, I actually ended up buying four total. <laughs> and I was able to dish them out to uh, to family friends. So it's fun. I mean, the graphics are great. There aren't too many games out right now, but if you want one, you should definitely, uh, definitely try to get your hands on one because it's fun. I was going to say that that's where FedEx Slayer comes from in the Twitter name. Not yeah. A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I actually, in the meantime, like I was so concerned about this happening was, uh, so I actually drove down to, I mean, I'm in Charlotte at my parents' place in the local FedEx facilities in Fort Mill, Charlotte, or it's Fort, Fort Mill, South Carolina, which is like a 15 minute drive. So I actually drove down there one day because they said my package was there and they, it wasn't there. And the lady who works at the Fort Mill station called me from their phone. So I, I don't know if you've like, dealt with FedEx before, but their customer service is like notoriously hard to get through. Like the, the machine, when you call it will block you like at every single turn you're trying to talk to a real person. But she accidentally called me with like the actual FedEx number from Fort Mill. So I saved it 
whenever I needed to get in touch with somebody, I would just call directly to them and bypass customer service directly. So like by, by the end of the week of me trying to get in touch with them, I was on a first name basis with the woman who works there. Like she, she would see my number pop up and she'd be like, is this Charles again? I was like, hey, Kathy, uh, is there any update on where my PlayStation is? And she was like, no, I don't have anything for you, but I really like you stuff calling, so I'm going to work on it for you. And then a few days later, it popped up at uh, where I requested to be dropped off. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely what's, the game, what's the game of choice at the moment? Uh, I just beat the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, which is pretty fun, but unfortunately, like, the campaign's only like seven, eight hours long. So right now, I'm just playing a lot of Black Ops uh, in 2K, just waiting for new stuff to drop. There you go. I'm a big FIFA guy, so if you yeah, I can't download FIFA, FIFA, I might be able to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to take you down. I'm 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 gonna get it at some point because my friends just like bully me so much. But I I when I was in college, we used to play uh, like drinking games with FIFA. Like anytime someone scored, uh, you had to take a shot. Shot FIFA. Yeah. Shot, shot FIFA, FIFA. Right. Yeah. And there you go. I, I remember the last time I played was like my freshman year, and I lost eleven to one, and I was I had a, a really bad night that night. <laughs> 11-1. Oh, boy. <laughs> Don't remember. Uh, anyways, well, I guess we can, uh, we can get into some, you know, football stuff. Um, you know, we have some, you know, questions around the draft and um, Sam Darnold, the quarterback position. But um, obviously kind of with what's going on with Robert Sala coming in for a final interview today um, and Joe Brady being, you know, heavily linked as well. Um, who do you think is really the best fit for the Jets? Um, and kind of what are your thoughts on Robert Sala as a whole? Uh you know, the Jets, I'm not really sure that they need to go uh, – if they really need to go, like, one guy that's, like, you know, mastermind offensive guy or mastermind defensive guy. Like, I think after the past few years of Adam Gase, you just kind of need to find someone that will make you look like a real football team again. And, uh, you know, really, whoever they feel like can be, like, the best CEO. And, you know, I, I guess kind of someone who like, who's like Matt Rule, where you kind of trust them to just – shell everything off and you'll find the right coordinators and we can get this thing going in a couple of years. Uh, I, I think that's, that's what they kind of need to, to look for. Uh, Joe Brady, I, I get the intrigue there, but that kind of scares me a little bit. I mean, the guy, it's just, he doesn't really have that much NFL experience. Like I know he was with the saints a little bit before uh, he was with LSU and the Panthers, but still like you're talking about a guy who is really known for just two seasons of, coordinating that LSU season then one season with Carolina and now you're going to ask him to run the whole thing like I I don't doubt that in time he could be that but right now it just seems like it's a it's a bit of a a far stretch for him to just run and come in and take that thing over especially because Carolina's offense like it kind of fell apart like towards the battle of the season and you can debate whether that's on Teddy or the play calling or or injuries or what have you but I I still got some questions there I think Saleh I mean just based on the reports today kind of seems like Obviously, he's one of the finalists if he's going to come in and get a second interview with the team. And, you know, just like when you ask people about him, it's it's like all the stuff like you read about. Him. Like he's a really energetic guy, really smart. Uh, you know, he, he kind of came in uh, when he was with uh, – when he got hired by Gus Bradley and the Jaguars, he kind of came in and, like, got them up to date on how to use, like, all their playbook information and stuff like that that was on the computer. And uh, just based on his background, he seems like a guy that – Jets fans would at least, you know, react strongly to because everyone's kind of reacting strongly to him. I think with him is, uh, one, if you're going to hire a defensive guy, you got to nail the offensive side of the, the ball, uh, which has plagued a lot of defensive coordinators over the years. But if he is as good of a headman as people, you know, portray him to be, then I don't really think that that would be too big of a deal. And 
too, you know, I, I think that with Saleh, his defense has definitely has like roots when you look at how Seattle and Jacksonville and Atlanta have played their defenses over the year with, you know, heavy covers three stuff, but he's kind of evolved on, on his own rights. Like they, they've run a lot of quarters defense. Uh, they've gotten really creative with their blitz scheme. So I, I also don't think that like pegging him in with the Dan Quinn's and Gus Bradley's of the world is quite fair to him to, considering what he's done with San Francisco. And, and like this year was really impressive considering all the injuries that they had in the front seven, especially along the defensive line. And, you know, by EPA standards, they still finish with a top 10 defense, which is, you know, that's a, a good coordinating job. And uh, I think that he's someone where you just kind of bring him in. He fixes the culture. It's like just energy wise is a big shift from Adam Gase. And that from then on, it's just like the players and the coordinators that you can fill out. But as a, as a head man, I, I think I'd be pretty pleased with that if I was a Jets fan. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he adapted, as I say, he adapted a lot this year. Like they played, I know in the past they've gone a lot of cover three, but then like the beginning of the year in Arizona and the Jets game, they're playing a lot of cover four and then they adapted, played a lot of cover one. And like, I feel like Quinnen and especially could be, you know, an all pro level player under somebody like that, watching the like Buckner and Bose and all these guys flourish. So. Yeah. And one, one thing about the, the defense is like, you made a point as it's like, it's like, as the, the personnel shifts a little bit, like you like, you see the, the coverage of shift that they use, like, if you have someone like Fred Warner, you don't need to sit and cover three all day and kind of protect your linebackers. You can play cover four and let them just run like the entire middle of the field. And, you know, it, it, it takes a Fred Warner level talent to be able to do stuff like that, but to know that you have something like that and then be able to adjust and feature that role a little bit more. Like, I think, I think that's a sign of good coaching. In a, in a world where the term culture builder is definitely overused. You, you want to like roll your eyes when you hear it. I can't think of a team that needs that type of guy uh, yeah. more than the yeah. Jets do right now, just uh, post-Adam Gase. So um, good in insight there on Salah. Um, let's kind of switch over to Darnold. So you spent some time covering the Jets this year. You saw D Darnold play up close, nine touchdowns, 11 interceptions in 13 games. So do you want to know what's your opinion on, on Darnold and, and what the Jets should do moving forward? Uh, yeah, I still think that – I, I'm not as high as Donald, on Donald as I was entering the year because I felt like entering the year, he, he was just, it was just a, a bad situation. And it, it still was a bad situation through the end of the year, but I feel a little less confident about his, his ability, I guess, to kind of figure this out with the new coaching staff, just based on how, how poorly he played this year. But I don't think he's unsalvageable. I mean, he's, he's younger than Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. And uh, it, it's just kind of hard to give up on someone with that skill set. And I think that, really the best thing for both parties is just to kind of to move on where like you're going to have to take the L on the draft picks. Like you're not going to get a first round pick in return for Donald or anything. You're going to have to trade him to hopefully a team for his sake is a team that has somewhere he can just sit for a year and just kind of recalibrate his brain because like the physical talent's all there. And we've seen flashes of like even the mental stuff coming together for him, but it was just so inconsistent. He's been in and out of the lineups. Like I just think he needs a, a hard reset. And for if you're the Jets, like, and you're a new coach, and you're Joe Douglas, neither of those guys would have drafted Sam Darnold or have, like, any real ties to him. So, like, why would you keep banking your career on someone who, like you said, like, had nine touchdowns and 11 interceptions in, in 13 games? And I think if you watch Darnold, you know that the potential to be something much better than that is there, but he's not there yet, and you have an opportunity to pick, like, a real franchise quarterback with the second pick in the draft and get someone that's your guy and someone that you can kind of sell – 
the fan base on because I think that that's also an important thing. And I know that that uh, there are Jets fans who are still of the belief that maybe Darnold can be the guy since you're not getting more. Maybe you just roll up, you run it back with Darnold, but I don't think that that's a, a real option. Yeah, that's for, that's me. That's you. I, I, look, yeah, I'm, I'm a bad, bro, but like, I, I don't. I don't. I'm a think diehard USC fan, so I'm. I know I'm biased. I'm. I'm far gone. Okay. Well, at least you recognize that. But I, 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 I would be absolutely stunned if Darnold was still on the roster come like week one. Uh, I don't know when the trade's going to happen. I think for his sake, it's probably best that it happens before the draft. Uh, but I, I would just be stunned if they didn't take quarterback. Like I don't know whether it's going to be Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Trey Lance if if he's a dark horse. But there's going to be a quarterback pick at too. Yeah, that kind of follows into, you know, what I was going to ask him, kind of how you view this top four quarterbacks, um, you know, in this draft, either, you know, who you think the Jets should take, but also kind of how you view them laying out, whether it's Fields, Wilson, Lance, or, or Mac Jones, who obviously balled out last night, but has some mobility and, you know, experience uh, questions coming out. Yeah, I think that the two, well, obviously, you're going to miss out on on Trevor Lawrence, which sucks. I mean, <laughs> to get to the end, like, damn, <laughs> you got so close. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I really feel like, I mean, you're at, if you're at two, just based off what I've seen, like, I don't really know if you can go wrong. Uh, and there's different ways that you can like evaluate each guy. And like, to me, the most intriguing option is kind of Trey Lance, honestly, because if you just watch him play and he hasn't really played in a year, he only played one game this year that was just kind of mediocre. But if you watch him play from 2019, I mean, the physical talent is just, off the charts like not even just throwing the ball like he can throw a deep ball with ease just flick of the wrist type crap and he can actually like, run the ball too and you look at his production and it's like the, the production is so good it's like kind of a red flag like 42 touchdowns zero turnovers like who does that but and, and north north dakota state definitely helped them out with like the reads and how they set the offense for him but like the physical talent is just otherworldly uh and the ability to throw a deep ball is there Zach Wilson, like, he's got the nickname Mormon Mahomes for a reason. Like, I don't think his arms arm is, like, quite on the level of Mahomes, but if you're just talking about the ability to ad-lib and throw on the run and throw the deep ball uh, and get some real arc on the ball while keeping the velocity, like, he's an intriguing option. And then Justin Fields is kind of like – it's just the whole body of work. Uh, and the game versus Alabama wasn't his strongest game, but the week before that he just torched Clemson and – yeah, there, there's some downside – or not, not that some downside, but, like, some down points and some question marks that he's going to have to answer throughout the draft process. But as a total body of work, I, I feel like it'd be kind of hard to be upset at that being the pick, number two, even if you do have some question marks for how it's going to turn out. So, you know, I think you're in a good spot to, to quite frankly, draft someone who was a better prospect than Sam Darnold or as good of a prospect as Sam Darnold in 2018. And then – you just kind of got to pray and hope that it, this is the one that works out for you. So suffering through the season as a fan, you, you expected the whole time there would at least be, you know, that prize at the end of the road of Lawrence. And what a blow that was to just not be able to, to have him on our team. But if you were the GM of a football team right now, are you saying that, and you have the second pick overall, are you saying you take Trey Lance? Well, see, that, it kind of depends on where I am. Because, like, if I'm the Falcons, right, and I got Matt Ryan, and that, that's my team, that's favorite, my favorite team. So I'm pounding the table for Trey Lance because I like the idea of him sitting for a year behind Matt Ryan and then kind of taking over in 2022. Uh, but if I'm the Jets, you know, 
I feel like it's kind of a hard sell to say, look, we're going to take this quarterback from North Dakota State who hasn't played in a year. He kind of got bodied by some Division One AA school the last time we saw him. And we're going to take him in number two, and we're going to give him the starting reins in August, and that's going to be that. Like, that's, that's a little bit of a harder sell. Like, I think it just kind of depends on the situation that you're in. Like, for the Jets, I don't think Trey Lance is a great call unless you're going to bring in, like, bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick or something, and I don't think anybody wants to do anything like that. So, uh, <laughs> I, I think you take Fields or Wilson because they seem a little bit ready, more ready to start on day one and just kind of roll with the punches and roll with the lumps. Like, I think that no matter what, the Jets just need to keep this thing moving with a, a rookie quarterback and start that guy week one because what you don't want to do, from my point of view at least, is, like, as a team that's about to start a really lengthy and heavy rebuild is to just kind of twiddle your thumbs and wait to see if that's the guy. Like, I think you just kind of want to throw him in the fire and figure that out immediately. Trey Lance, I don't think he's quite equipped to, to handle that right now, or at least it's a bigger question mark to me because we haven't seen him in so long and he was playing again in an offense that, that really helped him out a little bit. I think he needs a little bit more seasoning than that and throwing him to the Wolves could, will be bad. So for, for Jets, Fields and Wilson make more sense than Lance to me. Now, theoretically, if they were to keep – hang on to Sam in a, my dream world, that won't happen. Who, who are some people that fans should be on the lookout for? Um, I know there's been some names thrown around. If you're, if you're the GM and, you know, you, you're picking two, or is it something you're trading back, or is it something that you're looking at a Sewell, Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase type uh, situation if they keep uh, Sam? What I, I think what you do is, like, if you're, if you're going to keep, keep Sam – uh, you bring in a veteran in free agency. Uh, however, that may happen. I don't know, maybe it's Marcus Mariota if the Raiders let him out of his contract and let him pursue something. Uh, don't know who exactly that would be, but you just sign someone in free agency and then at the draft. Personally, I don't really see anyone that's not a quarterback that you like. You need to have at number two overall. Uh, so I think that you just kind of trade back uh, and then maybe take Devonta Smith, Jamar Chase, like, because if you're, if you're going to have a run of quarterbacks at the top of the draft, someone's going to fall, like, whether it's Sewell, uh, Chase, Devonta Smith, I don't know, Patrick Sertain, the quarterback from Alabama. Uh, you're going to have your options there, like, in the top 10 uh, that are maybe a little bit more appealing than, like, taking Devonta Smith second overall. And as good as he is, you know, there are just a little bit better ways to use your resources. And honestly, I don't think that Joe Douglas is someone that would take wide receiver second overall anyways. So, uh, I think if you're going to keep Sam, then the big thing is just to trade back and just say, just use the entire draft season to just drive up trade interest for that number two pick because it's going to be, you know, either Wilson or Fields most likely. And the last question that we have for you, just based off your time spent with the team, you know, you're, you're out there watching the guys or, you know, whatever it is, whether it's the coaches or the players, who's somebody in the organization that you saw that doesn't really get the recognition that they deserve? Uh, I'll tell you one of my, uh, my favorite guys to talk to, uh, was Andre Carter, the defensive line coach. Uh, cause I mean, obviously talked to him a lot about Quinnen before the season, during the season, uh, or whenever we had the chance to talk to him. Uh, and I thought that his work over really over kind of the past two years was, or, or whenever he joined the staff, like, was just kind of uh, underrated because it's not like they always gave him a, a whole lot to work with. But, like, we saw Quinn improve to Pro Bowl level this year. Uh, Foley was one of the better run defenders in the league as a nose tackle. And I just thought, like, technically those guys got better, even if they didn't have, like, the 
the talent to to maybe be like super duper impact defensive lineman. And the one guy that does has has grown into be that. So uh, I thought Andre Carter deserves deserve some plays, praise for uh, some of the work this year. He's a he's a great player too. I don't I don't think it's like talked yeah. about enough. Like he's a, <laughs> he was he's a beast while he played. Yeah, he was. I remember the first time I I talked to him, I was like, "Wait, like is this Andre Carter, the former Patriots defensive lineman?" I looked it up. I was like, oh, "Okay, that's cool." But uh, he's he's so smart. Like you can ask him like any questions about defensive line, defensive line technique, and he's got a book for you. Like that that dude is brilliant. All right, so Charles, we want to thank you for joining us today. You can follow Charles at Four Verts on Twitter. Um, he's working at For the Win USA today, so make sure to check out his work. And hopefully we'll have you back soon, Charles. It was a lot of fun. Yep, cool. Thanks for having me, guys.